Hey, welcome to the Chess Experience. On this show, it's all about helping adult improvers. I want to make learning chess easier for you to navigate, and I also want you to have a more fun experience along the way. I'm your host, Daniel Lona, a fellow chess amateur. Let's get to it. This show is sponsored by Chess.com, the world's largest chess community. One of Chess.com's most popular features is called Game Review. This feature weaves together a lot of benefits in one post-game analysis. For example, you can see how accurately you played, whether you made any moves that were deemed brilliant or great, which makes me feel a lot better about my chess when I get one of those. And Game Review also offers a virtual coach that gives insights on every move. It'll also show you alternate lines that would have been better for you to help you understand how you can improve your game. So go on chess.com, play a game, and try out the game review. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest is a two-time South African women's champion, a woman international master, commentator, and streamer, Jesse February. Jesse has had an impressive tournament career, and one that's still going strong as she works toward the woman grandmaster title. She's represented the South African women's team in three chess Olympiads, most recently in 2022. And in 2021, she qualified for and competed in the Women's World Chess Championship. And most recently, Jessie just finished an amazing trip and had a fantastic opportunity in her chess commentating career where she offered commentary for the first ever Global Chess League tournament. This tournament featured players like Magnus Carlsen, Vichy Anand, Hao Yifan, and Alexandra Kostinyuk. In our chat, we talk about this unique tournament event and her experience there. Plus, we talk about what Jesse feels she needs to work on to get to the WGM title, her best advice from years of coaching, and at the very end, which of her four infamous bad habits she would give up if she had to. And one of those might be chess-related. Here's my chat with Jesse. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Jesse. How are you? I'm good, Daniel. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to chat with you. I, you're someone I've been aware of for, for quite some time, uh, initially through <laughs> chess Twitter. And, um, you know, <laughs> no, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, yeah, you just, you've been someone I've been aware of for a while and been wanting to have on the show for some time. So I'm excited to finally chat with you. So thank you for being on the show. Yeah. And, and thanks for inviting me. I too have been aware of all your posts and retweets and all the other things that you've been busy with. But uh, yeah, I did a little bit of digging and, and saw what sort of work you were doing with podcasts and stuff. And I, I think it's really cool. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we'll talk about a ton of stuff uh, during uh, the next hour or so. Where I'd like to start is with your recent trip uh, to the Global Chess League tournament in Dubai, where you were a commentator. Uh, one reason is it just looked like you had a blast. Like you had a great time there. It <laughs> seemed like a, f a fun event to talk about. Um, but my understanding is that it's it's a it's a new tournament. So uh, can you say a little bit about that tournament, how it works, just so people are aware of that? Sure. So it's it's called the Global Chess League. Uh, sort of dubbed itself the first of its kind and that sort of thing. So uh, the really cool thing is that it was um, being broadcasted on on television. In what I understand is more than 150 countries around the world. Yeah. 
Uh, I, be- I believe it was like channels like Eurosport and I think Fox Sport Australia that, that got involved with that. Um, so they sold rights and I think it was also available for a short time or maybe the entire period on YouTube. There was also a lot of hype around the event. There were like six teams um, that were, I'm supposed to say drafted, <laughs> not bid on. <laughs> and the teams were named after the team owners. So like Treveni Continental Kings was owned by Akash Treveni himself. And I think there was also SG uh, Alpine and um, like the upgrade member. So different companies and so on. So the, the big backer of the event was uh, Tech Mahindra. So Mr. Mahindra himself. And it has a really cool origin story. So like Batman, it all started <laughs> with a tweet. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah. So Mr. Mahindra, uh, Anand Mahindra had seen some chess commentary uh, at the Olympiad. I think it was Sagar Shah and Sameh Reina they were doing commentary and he really enjoyed it. Like they added a lot of banter and fun things about it and it stood out to him and he tweeted about it. And um, thus was born this like huge project of the global chess league. And um, I mean, he ended up coming to the tournament venue, Mr. Anand uh, Mahindra, and he met us. We all met him, the, the co-commentators and myself, we all met him. And it was like this amazing aura. I mean, he had a bunch of people standing behind him. And it was just such like an epic moment. I don't think it really set in until afterwards because <laughs> he had this like huge presence. And uh, yeah, like he, he had this vision and it all came, uh, you know, into fruition. So I'm, I'm glad that something this huge has been able to become a reality so yeah yeah it seemed like a really cool event i like the team format too that seemed uh you know you don't usually get that with with you know when there's a lot of top players like that attending uh so the team event format seemed pretty cool too did you enjoy that part i did especially the combination i think it's the first sport ever to have this combination of men and women in one squad and it was sort of mandatory for each team to have two females. And so you'd see all, you know, the, the my heroes playing on the teams. <laughs> so it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, so you got to do commentating there along with some other um, big names in the commentating world like James Canty, um, Keddy. So how did the opportunity come about for you to, to do commentating? Yeah, it was a whole dream come true actually it's it started with a twitter dm <laughs> no i i got a message from Sameh and he's like you do commentary right and i'm like yeah i do and this was the day after i'd actually commentated on an event with james james county we did a chess kid um i think it was the youth something with chess kid and the day after I got this message, you do commentary, right? And I thought some joke was going to to come up. And I was like, is there an event coming up? Um, I do some commentary, sure, what's happening? And the only response I got was, yes. And then a day after that, it was like, okay, you're going to get a message from so-and-so. And so I got a, a message on, on WhatsApp from, I think it was one of the, the or- not the organizers, but someone who was in charge of the team. And it was like, you know, the Global Chess League is happening in a week and we sort of need another commentator. And I heard you're a commentator. Do you want to be involved? 
And I said, I mean, yes. And they're like, okay, it's starting in a week. Is that okay for you? I said, is this remote commentary? Because sure. They're like, no, you sort of have to pack your bags and, and come here for two weeks. Just and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to say no. This is incredible. Sure. So that's, that's how it came to be. And to be honest, I don't know how um, they selected the commentary team because they're all from different parts. I mean, Sume is a com uh, comedian, not really mm -hmm. a commentator. I'm more of like a chess streamer and focus on like the fun, funny side of things. <laughs> and then you have like Tanya, who's like part of the champions chess tour. <laughs> right. And uh, uh, yeah, so and uh, I mean, I've, I've met some of them before and I, I was sort of acquainted. And then you have like Peter Svidler, who's like, My absolute hero. I mean, I, I grew up watching his videos on the Grunfeld and watching his commentary and stuff like that. So the entire um, commentating cast was like a whole dream come true to be part of. So every day I felt like I woke up and I was like, what am I be doing here? I'm not going to complain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it absolutely seemed like you got a chance to be part of a, a dream team commentating team. <laughs> so you mentioned that you've done commentating before. That was something I tried to look into a little bit. I didn't get a lot of info on that. I was just curious, what what was your commentating experience before this event? My first ever opportunity commentating was when I started streaming. I think it was a few days after I started streaming. I contacted chess.com about being a part of the streamers program. And they're like, do you do any commentary by any chance? And this was just a random um, message. And I said, I don't, um, but I can try. And someone had dropped out and they needed someone for the Cayenne's Cup um, alongside, I think at the time was a streamer named Monkey Chess, um, Roland, uh, don't know how to pronounce his, his surname. <laughs> and I was like, sure, I can, I can try. And at least I wasn't commentating alone, but it was also my first time commentating. It does exist on YouTube. It was 2021. I looked super shy, still used my <laughs> camera in my laptop. And I don't even think I had a microphone or like a proper one at the time. So it was very scuffed and you can sort of see how far I've come since then. So a ton of like title Tuesday events, youth events, uh, a lot of like online competitions and stuff like that. Uh, stuff I've hosted myself. Uh, tournaments and then I also did a teaching I'm not sure what to call it probably some videos or like live lectures with Chess24 which I don't count as commentary but definitely helped me get to where I am now a little bit more confident in front of the camera and so on so I've done I've done quite a bit over the past two years Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So just to go back to something you mentioned uh, a moment ago about Peter Spittler, you said he was your hero growing up. That's awesome. Uh, did you have a chance to to talk with him a little bit at length? Or, you know, was it just a, hey, nice to meet you? <laughs> no, I had a couple conversations with him. And every time we spoke or he would address me, I would absolutely freak out. I mean, I try to keep my cool. And, you know, playing <laughs> chess, you sort of learn how to have a poker face. But I was absolutely freaking out. I saw him for the first time ever uh, online, uh, 2014, when he was commentating uh, for the World Championship match, where I think it was 
uh, Carlson and the challenger was Arnand. So the sec- second year in a row or second time that they were playing at the World Championship match. And he was commentating alongside Sopiko. And that's when I sort of fought, fell in love with the online chess and like watching things online, reading articles on chess base and stuff like that and watching the commentary and got so absorbed that I was like, I want to be like this one day. So my friend and I would put up like a mock commentary station with like our hairbrushes and pretend to commentate <laughs> with microphones. So coming all this way, I mean, 10 years later, you know, finally I'm having this chance to to do that. Um, I still don't feel like I'm ready, um, but it has been a huge uh, dream come true. So yeah, I, I was able to chat to him a little bit. And we after I often spoke about or had questions about cricket because I think he's rather obsessed with cricket. <laughs> and at the time, uh, the Ashes were, were going on. And so he would literally stand there waiting for the team meeting with his headset on and watching the Ashes on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> so... There's always something to talk about in that regard. Yeah. 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 That's great that you got a chance to to work with him and uh, mm. chat with him a bit. Um, so, yeah, you said you didn't quite feel ready, but I mean, they obviously felt you were ready. And um, that's awesome that you had the opportunity to do it. Do you think, um, I don't know, does this is this maybe the start of more commentary from you? Do you, do you want to pursue it a little bit more after this experience or <laughs> how does that mm. uh, kind of look for you going forward? Definitely. I really hope that I get more opportunities to, I mean, this, I feel like is a a huge point for me to improve or rather a chance for me to, um, it's not only like sort of a debut in front of live camera. I, it's a bit different than sitting in front of a camera where you're commentating remotely to being present at the tournament, maybe even chatting to the players themselves and being among the co-commentators where they're sitting right next to you. And not across on like a Zoom call or something like that. It's way different. And I definitely felt the difference as well. I was a lot more uh, nervous and um, I felt like I was a little bit more under pressure and so on. So I felt like it was a huge uh, learning curve for me. And I, I want that opportunity again to be able to improve. And I will definitely be working on on that aspect and, and doing more some, some maybe online commentary and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I hope it leads to more for you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. So like I said, you know, it looked like such a fun event. You had uh, lots of fun pictures that you posted, some exciting videos too. So it looked like a party, honestly, from my perspective. I know like you said you're a little <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm glad. Um, you know, at certain okay. points and that makes sense. But yeah. Uh, yeah, from the viewer perspective, my perspective, it looked like a great time. So uh, I can't help but ask, uh, do you have a favorite moment from the event? 100%. As probably the smaller moments that stand out to me the most. I, if I were to pinpoint, I was walking in the lobby. I was rushing to be a part of uh, the next round's commentary team because there were a lot of us, a lot of commentators. So some of us in the studio, two or three of us on the commentary side, and maybe one doing interviews and stuff like that. So we were sort of rotating and had some moments to break if we weren't always on camera. And so it was my turn next and I was trying to rush with my laptop to make it to the studio. And the lobby was quite big. So you will almost always see chess players walking around or standing and talking and so on. So as I was walking, I was sort of focusing on, you know, getting there as soon as possible. And I walked past a group of chess players and, and recognized that I, I saw 
um, Vishiana just like standing there. And then he turns around and he's like, Jesse, I just wanted to ask um, about the finals. Could you quickly tell me about the, the format? Because, I mean, he had a really small question about it. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that like he said my name, stopped me in my <laughs> tracks. I, I was taken aback. I, it was such a small thing. Probably to him, he wouldn't even like remember. But right. for me, that was the most amazing thing <laughs> That's in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, he did. He didn't know something about the formats, and I quickly just cleared that up. And yeah, I had the hugest smile. That actually made my day. So um, I know that's such a small part, but I think maybe the bigger parts are just being a part of that actual team and being on camera and pushing myself to be better and better and better. So I feel like comparing me, well, comparing what I was like in the beginning of the event event to the end i was completely different yeah oh that's cool um but yeah i can totally understand why you know a seemingly small moment like that would stand out for you <laughs> uh, i mean yeah i would just have to pinch myself if, if vishy mm-hmm. was just you know asking me a question all of a sudden you know uh, unexpectedly uh-huh. <laughs> um would you have guessed that he i mean i don't i hope this doesn't come across uh Not in a negative all. way i just mean this positively like would you have guessed that he just you know would instantly recognize you and know your name already well, we had spoken before a couple times, but I didn't realize that he would have such a good memory of um, <laughs> me. I mean, I'm just yeah. a, a pawn on the board, you know. So <laughs> Good yeah, analogy. I, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Got to keep it chess related. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, some of the most recent stuff that you've been involved with with chess. Just like to kind of take it back to the beginning for a little bit and talk about the start of your chess journey. So you grew up in South Africa, and it always interests me learning about other cultures from a chess perspective and like how how ingrained or not ingrained chess is or how popular it is in, in different places. What was the chess scene like for you growing up in South Africa? Growing up, it was quite big. We had a lot of regional tournaments and uh, local events and stuff like the nationals and the closed championship where you would compete for becoming, you know, a member of the South African team, which we called the the Protea team or getting your colors and that sort of thing. So I grew up in a city named Port Elizabeth, which is now renamed to Grebecha. Even, I mean, it was renamed like a year ago. And it wasn't, well, it still isn't as big or the chess scene isn't as big as larger cities like Cape Town and Johannesburg and Durban. And growing up, I I often had to sort of travel in order to play stronger events. Now there would probably be a tournament, one tournament every four or five months, even six months. And I recently moved to a much larger city, Cape Town, where there are tournaments every month, almost every month. And they also have a huge league with a lot of chess clubs and stuff like that. So the interest is a much is much larger and you have a lot more players because the population is, is bigger. Um, so chess in South Africa, I feel like could be a lot larger. It's definitely nothing to compare to, say, for instance, Europe, which the chess culture is much richer and uh, the tournaments are stronger. The level of chess is much higher I feel like uh, if I were to to travel to Europe, for instance, and and spend like six months playing chess, 
my rating would be a lot higher. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like that's one of the reasons why they implemented direct titles for like zonal competitions and stuff like that in Africa, where if you were to play in a zonal event and you won it, you got a woman international master title and an international master title if you were playing in the open section. And for the continental, the same thing. If you won it, you got woman grandmaster title or you got grandmaster title. It's a little bit trickier now because I think they removed that uh, you could win titles from a zonal event and that from continental events, uh, it wouldn't be a direct title, it would be a conditional title. So if you did win the event, uh, you would have to reach a certain rating uh, in order to, to get the title. So it would be sort of provisional or um, elect. So you would be considered, for me now, it would be, I'm a woman international master because I got the direct title, but I'm also a woman grandmaster elect. Yeah. Oh, so maybe cool. it's it's easier uh, in in Europe or, or places where the chess culture is richer, and actually <laughs> actually to improve and so on. Yeah, sure. So, do you remember what got you excited to play the game? I know sometimes people learn at such a young age that they don't even remember when they started get excited about the game. But uh, yeah, do you remember if there was like a person or just an uh, experience that that got you into it? Yes, my mum. Actually, my mom taught me how to play chess. Um, and I, I always wondered how she learned. And she said that it used to be a part of a television program that she would watch where she would be able to call into like a, a station and suggest moves as part of like that was the audience interaction that they had back then. And that's how she learned. And when I was seven, just to get me out of trouble, I think it was to show me some moves on the board, just to show me chess in general. And I didn't really pick it up until I was eight, when I started playing at school. And we had the best chess teacher at school. Her name is uh, Mrs. Ashworth. I don't know if she's still coaching uh, chess at all, but she was my first ever chess teacher. And she always had the most amazing incentives for getting an answer right. It would either be like a little chocolate or a trinket or something like that, that would motivate us to get an answer right or a tactic or a problem. And then I started playing. We always had like a ladder at school where we would try to uh, be better than the rest of them. And I always wanted my name to climb the ladder. And I started playing regional tournaments. And that's where I discovered my competitive side. Mm. And of course, with chess being sort of male dominating, I always took that as a challenge rather than something that was going to demotivate me. Um, you know, the regular like remarks that, that boys make, they're like, oh, you know, it's just a girl, you can beat her and stuff like that was sort of the regular thing. And I wanted to, to change that. So I wanted to just prove them wrong. So that was yeah. another really huge selling point for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome that you use that as, as fuel basically to, uh, to to get better and to beat them uh that's awesome and just thinking about what you said about your your first instructor doing incentives like chocolate if you get an answer right i was just <laughs> thinking like i could still use that like that would still work for me now as an adult uh to help me improve my chess i don't know about you yeah but that would <laughs> no 100 percent. 
yeah i don't feel like that should stop just because we get older <laughs> um yes anyway uh but on the point of uh learning from somebody else i know you had your instructor you said at school uh which is mm. really great uh as years went on did you work with a coach like one-on-one at all or how did that work for you mm-hmm. i had several coaches growing up so where there was like a club coach or an individual coach um it all depended on their availability as well, um, that they would sort of make time to to coach a group or have um, weekend sessions and stuff like that. Um, my coaches were sort of also club level players. They weren't masters at all. Mm. And it nev- I never needed anything uh, better than that because they were really good at like motivating me or opening preparation and stuff like that. So there was one coach I, I grew a lot with. I went from about 1600 to 1900 uh, with them. And by the time I was 19, I had won my, my regional championship, which was both open and female with all ages. So we had like a little selectional or a closed tournament where it would be six or seven of the best players in our province uh, selected to play and finally I, I won it and that was probably one of my biggest like regional uh, accomplishments and uh, I think that was also sort of where I peaked rating wise I think my highest was like 1940 or something like that <laughs> how old were you around that time uh, 19 <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which I look back is not like seven years ago <laughs> um, yeah so there was that and then I think the if if I were to sort of think back and um, think about the the sort of the best coaches I had were probably one of the group coaches. There was a grandmaster who came in from I think it was Spain. He now lives in in Bulgaria. Who is uh, Pablo Lafiente? Uh, he was the first grandmaster I'd ever met, and I was in awe. I was like, whoa! Like, what does it take to be a grandmaster? And yeah, it just like motivated me a lot because he was doing group sessions. I was always super in tune with those sessions. I wanted to be like the best student, you know. Um, and there was another one who worked with our Olympiad team in 2018, Alexa Strikovich, who's a grandmaster. I think he's playing in the same tournament as a lot of streamers right now in Spain, hmm. uh, in Valencia. Yeah, so he he's playing, he's still playing actively just enjoying the game and and then there was ultimate sensei hosted by chess dojo live and yeah. we worked with eugene parlstein oh, uh, both cool. rebecca selkirk and myself we teamed up and um we worked with him for a couple sessions uh during that competition and yeah that was probably like the highlight of the whole receiving coaching part of my chess career yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome i wish i had a chance to or had seen it live at the time i think that year that you're talking about that they did that i was either i either hadn't got back into chess yet or i was still just getting into it and wasn't aware of everything that was happening yet Um, but Mm. i wish i could have seen that because that that sounds like an awesome uh, experience i didn't know that you were um part of their i don't know what to call it exactly i know they kind of said they wanted to make it like a uh, a bit like a reality show, but also more significant mm. than that. But yeah, whatever term you yeah. want to use for that event, I wish I wish I could have seen it at the time. <laughs> yeah, actually, yesterday I was doing some commentary with Kostya, who is part of Chess Dojo. And he was also discussing, you know, when they will do the next Ultimate Sensei 
And I, I loved the, the hype that they had surrounding the event. I mean, the graphics were great. The hype was mm -hmm. great. I mean, they were putting a lot of promo and like work into it. The, um, the stress for the participants was like high. I stressed more <laughs> than I, than I would stress for like a normal OTB. Really? So yeah, I mean, there were puzzles and like head to head and so many people watching like one game. It was just a little bit, yeah, crazy. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, that's awesome. Well, I hope you can be involved in it some way uh, if they do um, if they do it again, whether as a participant or a commentator. Yeah, no, definitely. I think I think the next uh, season they want to do is with a little bit uh, lower rated players. So he was like, um, "Would you like to be a coach?" And I was like, hmm. "Yes, please keep me in mind for that." So if I could be a coach for the next one even that would be awesome i'd, I'd love to be involved <laughs> yeah that sounds yeah. great uh definitely watching the next one for sure yeah speaking of uh tournaments and things like that i was looking at what you've accomplished on the you know in the tournament scene uh it's a long list of awesome stuff um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you twice won the women's south african championship you've also won mm -hmm. the African Women's Champion uh, Chess Championship, and you've represented South Africa in three Women's Chess Olympiads, um, and those are just some of the highlights. Wow. Uh, yeah, you did your homework. sounds good. We say it all at once, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't know exactly what to focus on, so because there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. uh, so I thought I'd just ask you um, if one of those events, or even one that I didn't mention, stood out to you as just a highlight in your tournament career. And you know, if so, like what was what was special about it? Yeah, uh, probably if I were to add one, it would just be the Zonal Championship in 2016 mm. uh, that I won. That's where I got my Women International Master title from. So a lot of players uh, or, or sort of viewers on Twitch are like, oh my goodness, like your rating is quite low for the title that you have. And it's because of, of the zonal. I mean, I was an 1800 when I, when I received it and uh, I wear it uh, like, a, like a trophy. So it's, it's really, <laughs> <laughs> I feel honored to, to have the title. Um, but the highlight is probably the African Championship. It has to be my first ever time competing in an African championship was 2017. It was in o Oran, Algeria, and it was my first time being among, you know, Africa's top players, both the male and female. Um, and in the first round, I was paired against uh, African <laughs> number one, Mona Khaled, who was a grandmaster, woman grandmaster. And I was terrified uh, in the first game. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should just break it in. It's sort of my initiation. If I lose, it's fine. And uh, I ended up going like a pawn up in the opening and I got into like serious time trouble and somehow won that game. And I think everyone just took a step back and was like, oh, like, who's this, you know? And um, <laughs> had a really good performance that tournament. I tied for first place, uh, but I came third on tie breaks. Uh, because of the performance, I got invited to the Women's World Championship match actually, mm. which was a, a knockout event, a 64-player knockout. And that was held in County Mansisk, Russia. And I played against Katerina Lagno, <laughs> uh, which was an epic experience uh, for me. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so that was the first time I played the African Championship. And then the next one was in Tunisia. And then the third one was in Malawi, and that was in 2021. 
uh, went at one. And I didn't expect that because I hadn't done like a, a bunch of training going up to that tournament. But maybe taking that small break is, is what um, allowed me to play my best chess because I wasn't putting, you know, as much pressure on myself. So, yeah, I realized that, you know, most of the time it's not even about the chess. It's about the nerves and the psych and that sort of thing. So uh, that's that's the highlight of, of my career by far. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, you talked a little bit about the Women International Master title and, you know, how how you earned it. I'm also like to talk about your next goal, which is to go for the WGM title. And just for people to understand, so if FIDE is accurate, it looks like current rating is 1849. The mm-hmm. WGM title is a minimum requirement of 2100 FIDE. So what's inspired you to to go for that? Yeah, if anyone wants to lend me some rating points, I'll be happy to <laughs> accept. I will give it to you. I'll give it back to you in a month or something like that. <laughs> so um, the goal is to cross the live rating of 2100. And every time I feel like I'm pushing really hard to get it, I always get some like pushback because I'm putting too much pressure on myself and maybe I'm not performing as well. Um, yeah, my rating wasn't uh, as high at the beginning of the year. I find that there's like a huge... A fluctuation then I do really well and it's like you know back and forth but the inspiration that I have right now is that it's one of my biggest bucket list items I have this actual bucket list that I carry around with me everywhere uh, when I travel and stuff so I can add to it or scratch things off and um, that's one of my main ones that I sort of put in bold you know get that title and once I reach that I worry that I won't have as many chess goals, um, but I obviously will keep playing and keep pushing, but that's like the biggest one so far. And um, I know that I, when I was in high school, I had this huge um, poster up on my wall as a, as a goal. And one of the, the big things in the middle was like reach WGM. And uh, I really hope to, to achieve that. And I feel like I'm really close just not quite there. I think the hard part is done. Now it's just the rating. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's um I, you said you worried about whether you'll have chess goals beyond that. Uh I mean, it's 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 a pretty awesome goal to have, so I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that you need to go beyond that. <laughs> um Yeah. But you can stop but focusing yeah, on other things. <laughs> just different chess stuff at that point, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh so yeah, you mentioned um, that about closing the gap uh, from where you are right mm. now, which is something I wanted to ask you about um, mm. without without giving away too much to your future opponents. Um, <laughs> what do you what do you need to focus on? What do you feel you need to focus on to go from where you are right now to to that title? Yeah, I think the most important thing for me right now is probably opening re- repertoire. I feel mm. like um, a lot of my local counterparts or opponents. Um, on maybe focusing on opening theory as much as, I mean, even I'm not doing it right now and I, I should be because I feel like when you're sort of playing your your opening and you can make it out without being worse or at least being equal and your tactics are pretty good and maybe you have, you know, basic or decent endgame knowledge, you should be fine technically. I mean, probably the worst part of my game is my middle game, but... Right now, especially with short notice, I mean, I'm competing in the second week of August that I probably should be working on my repertoire more than anything else right now. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. 
And I mean, with so many great opening courses and books out there, um, mm-hmm. do you feel, I mean, given that, do you feel like you need a coach to help you with that part of your game or are the resources that, you know, that can pretty much easily be had uh, that are published uh, enough for you at this point? I would love to say that resources are enough, although they're in abundance these days. I mean, you can find anything about anything online. So yeah, you can find a, a bunch of resources online about openings or literally anything. And I find that having a coach helps with the motivation part. So it keeps you sort of disciplined, but also helps you with what to focus on. Because when you're the chess player who needs the help, it's hard to identify where your own weaknesses are. And it's always nice to get some outside feedback and so an outside perspective on what it is your weakness is or weaknesses are. And to work on that according to what a coach would recommend. That way you're not working on your chess and maybe you're working on something that's not going to help you improve at all because it's beyond your level or it's not the part of the game that you should be working on. And a coach would just help you sort of speed run that progress to where you should be, especially when there's a really good like chemistry between you and your coach where they know exactly what it is you need to to work on and maybe their their style of play is the same as your style of play and um yeah their their advice and um the work that they do with you just is a really good concoction for for great play yeah <laughs> right right uh, so you are working with a coach then <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, not right now no i should be <laughs> although you know I, I made it sound like oh it's, you know i have the best coach it. ever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no if it, yeah i should be finding this coach or going out to find this coach um right now i don't really have the the time unfortunately uh with streaming and the big move i'm, I'm actually moving cities at the moment and it's a little bit chaotic and I'm also in the process of creating a course, a beginner's course, actually, um, with Chessable. And hopefully that could, uh, you know, lead to something, something great. I'm hoping that the end result or at least, you know, the work in progress would be something to smile about. Um, but things are a yeah. little bit crazy right now. And unfortunately chess is one of the last things on my mind or like least training yeah i see yeah well it's totally understandable i i i get that um but you did bring up something i I did want to talk about with you which is your chessable course so let's dive into that a little bit Uh, (laughs) a tactics course right for beginners can you discuss it Mm -hmm. so i i'm not entirely sure that it's uh tactics specifically so it's more like uh just beginner concepts and stuff from right right in the beginning like novice novice stuff um so i'm not gonna give away too much um because i'm not too sure how much i can give away but it's it's basically just um everything from like how you want to pull how to play chess what the pieces are you know, um, how much the value of the pieces are and that sort of thing. We will delve into tactics at some stage, but not right now. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. Is there a timeline, do you know, approximately when, when that'll be available, like at least season or, Ooh. you know, like fall? So unfortunately I don't know when it will be ready just because I'm also planning on visiting the Barcelona offices in September and I'm mm. hoping to do maybe some more studio work with them uh, then. So it'll be like the first or second week uh, of September that I'll be there. 
I've never visited Spain before, so I'm really excited about that trip. And I'm hoping to, yeah, have something to sort of tease maybe on, on Twitter or something like that uh, by then. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, I'm excited that you're working on that. Um, it should be really cool. And um, I think a lot of people benefit from that. So, you know, whenever whenever it comes out, let me know and I will add the info to that on for your episode uh yeah in the show notes on the website thank you daniel (laughs) yeah so if anyone's listening to this a few months or so after our conversation there will be a link for it (laughs) Uh, one other big area of your chess life is uh streaming um and your twitch channel um which you've had for a couple of years now your own twitch channel i guess there's a lot of stuff to ask about it but i'll i'll just Mm. start with a simple question what's what's the most enjoyable part for you for having a, a chess Twitch channel? That's a great question. That's probably the amazing community that comes along with it because when I'm not live, I often feel like I'm asking myself, you know, what is the motivation to keep on streaming? What is it that's going to um, force me to put out a schedule in that? And it's the community because they'll probably check out my Discord and and wait for the the schedule to come out to know when I'm live and, and be in chat right before I go live. I think that's like the most amazing thing. And they'll be sort of bantering around. If I'm like five minutes late, they'll be like, oh my God, you're late. And, you know, give me a hard time just for for the fun of it. So I think the community and how amazing, um, you know, the stream community itself, not even just the viewers, I think just the other streamers as well. And the ability to collaborate with, with other streamers. I've met a lot of people through streaming and then meeting them IRL, it's like I've I've known them for ages now and I haven't even met them in person. It's it's amazing. It's a great feeling. Like the Olympiad last year, I met a bunch of streamers for the first time and it felt like I've I've just known them because I've either watched them stream or worked with them online. So yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned you've done um a lot of or at least some, I don't know if you said a lot, I don't want to <laughs> mischaracterize, but at least on yeah. some, some collaborations with other streamers in the past, what's, uh, what's a standout one for you? What was one of the more uh, fun ones Ooh. or exciting ones for you? I've collaborated with Eric Rosen. Probably that's nice. one that stood out the most. Um, I've also collabed with, um, well, in the early days of, of the channel. So like two years ago or in 2021 when did i start streaming oh my gosh uh 2020 <laughs> um yeah 2020 uh, andrea botez and i had this sort of like small rivalry where we'd play some online matches and i would always go up in terms of score she would disappear for a couple of minutes try to like you know psych herself out or like beef up come back beat me it was absolutely crazy <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be another one I would point out. Um, there was a lot of hype around those. Like, they were even last-minute matches sometimes. And another person is probably Hari Krishna. Um, so he would sort of... He had his own channel at some stage. I think he commentated a lot with, like, David Navarro. And then he would come on our stream, and there would be a ton of banter. Our community have really enjoyed it. He had a lot of fans and chat and stuff and they had questions which I'd forward so yeah we played stuff like GeoGuessr with him and it was a lot of fun yeah very cool <laughs> so do you yeah. um have any upcoming collaborations that uh 
that you're excited about? Ooh, that's a great question. <laughs> or I even do not. Mm-hmm. Maybe any, I should like, have you on stream with me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I don't know if I can quite compete with Eric Rosen, but I will. Uh, <laughs> no I'm way. Happy no, to appear no, no, no. on stream. Um, yeah, I should do some some chess stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so, uh, one other part of your your uh, chess career that I'd like to talk about is the coaching that you've done. I know that. You have done coaching. I don't know a lot of details about it, though, so it's a chance for me to ask you about that. Um, like, what range of skills have you taught? And, um, you know, like, who have you taught? Kids, adults, that mm-hmm. sort of thing? If I told you, I'd have to kill you, unfortunately. Oh, no, wow, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, A couple years ago, in 2019, right before COVID hit, I started my own chess academy in Port Elizabeth. It was mm. called Bright Minds Chess Academy. There are still traces of all the work that I did online as well um, of it on online. So I had my own website, Facebook page, like uh, Instagram and stuff like that, where I post photos. I turned, sort of converted my, my garage into a studio where I had a projector. I made booklets for everyone and had classes every weekend. And yeah, I invested in the whole Shazam. It was like a huge pet project of mine right before uh, I started streaming. And when COVID hit, everything went online. And um, I was coaching with my chess tutor, which is a great online platform. And then Coaches, I don't know if you remember something called Coaches. It was a project by Chess24. And they had uh, a bunch of premium coaches. And they, they put a lot of effort into their brand and marketing and the website itself. Unfortunately, it didn't last as long because then Chessable soon took over as their, you know, number one uh, resource for like chess information and, and, you know, teaching. And they had the Chessable classroom. So I was part of CoChess for a while. And then I just started coaching on my own. Um, The range of students I had was, I think my youngest student was like four years old. (laughs) <laughs> and oldest was like 60. <laughs> so it really didn't really matter how old you were. I was open to to teaching. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I somehow enjoy it more when it's just like a voluntary project uh, rather than it being, you know, something that I'm, I'm doing for money. So I, I think that's how it sort of moved to being where I was helping out at like schools and stuff like that locally. And in exchange, I had some partnerships where they would donate sets and stuff to the school, which was great. I really enjoyed that. That was my that was my favorite. And uh, yeah, right now I'm I'm not doing as much coaching. I do want to get back into it, but I'm surprisingly focusing on YouTube content. <laughs> ah, okay. So Very yeah, cool. so I've I put a bunch of hours into editing and creating some some YouTube videos. Not necessarily educational chess videos um but i did some vlogs at the global chess league i have some irl like chess videos of games and stuff and then um i'm hoping to to focus a lot more on youtube uh for the rest of the year yeah oh that's interesting if you don't mind me asking what what why Mm. the uh because you have like lots of options on where you could focus on you know um Mm. twitch and other you know whatever uh (laughs) social media so why why the focus on youtube what's the appeal for you there I realized that the discoverability is probably to my advantage when it comes to YouTube. VODs or videos from streams on Twitch don't last 
very long that are lost forever. I think the maximum is that they last like a month or, or two months. I'm, I'm not too sure what the limit is. But then they end up disappearing and often I'm, I'm saving them. And a year ago, my hard drive of like, I think it was like 80 of my streams corrupted and I lost everything. Oh. Um, yeah, so I started gathering what I can in terms of like clips and I started backing up all my VODs and stuff like that and realized you know, probably the best way is just to start um, using them eventually for content. Otherwise, I'm never going to see them. I'm not going to use them to do anything. So I had a clips channel for a bit where I was like posting. And then I just decided to to start posting more actively on on my YouTube uh, from like what the videos that I had and stuff. And it was just like a small bout of motivation. And I'm, I'm hoping to get somewhere with it at some stage. I think the last time I was active was like eight months ago. And now more recently, every couple of days there's a video going out. So hopefully I can do some recording and, and go somewhere with it. Try to use my very dry humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's yeah. great that you're focusing on YouTube. I am subscribed to your channel. So I look forward to seeing uh, oh. more videos. From you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Your, your, yeah. Your blog that. videos were great. Those were, those were fantastic. So oh, nice. um, more sounds good. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I know we got a little, I got a little off topic, uh, there, but that was a good topic. Um, but I just have one more question for you with respect to your coaching because you, you did coach for years. I'm always curious, like what a chess coach's observations are as they do it, you know, over time in terms of what works and what doesn't. So, uh, you know, I know like at the beginner and club level and beyond, but especially at the beginner and club level tactics is like probably the most impactful thing for improvement. So we can just stipulate that. Aside from tactics, <laughs> what's one thing that like you observed that really helped uh, your students improve? I started coaching in 2015. I was 18 years old and, and not something I wanted to get into. It was more like, oh, you're a chess player and you've also finished with school. Do you do any coaching? Do you have any spare time sort of vibes? And so I jumped into it um, like sort of off the deep end or... And it was, it was very tough for me because I realized how I was processing information or how I was learning about chess wasn't exactly how others were able to learn as well. And when I was working with kids, it wasn't so easy to teach them with hordes of booklets, with lots of text. They were going for, you know, pictures and bright, colorful descriptions and stuff like that, which was something I had to learn the hard way. Because I, I found that there was a lot of disinterest in um, the way I was coaching at first. So I had to change my methods really quickly and soon enough realize that the best way to get them interested is to have them just play. And the more I encouraged them to play, um, you know, the more more excited they were. They were like, oh my gosh, I played this game where I, I blundered my queen, but I got it back. And you got to listen to these stories, even though they were probably not leading to anything, you know, uh, <laughs> useful in the lesson. Um, but they got so excited about it that I was latching onto that excitement and then sort of being like, and then what, you know? So I would probably encourage... Players who want to improve just to play, as scary as it may be, the best way to improve is, is to play as much as possible. Maybe stop here and there to analyze. I know the analyzing part is a little bit boring, 
Um, but the students I have worked with, those who play the most improve quicker. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great advice. Um, yeah, definitely something that I think adults probably struggle with even more um, because yeah. they get more nervous and more fearful and they say, oh, I've, I've got to study more. I've got to prepare more. Uh, yeah. And as soon enough, as you so. hit your like favorite rating or like your goal rating, you don't want to touch it anymore and you don't want to play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I definitely give myself like 24 hours uh, after hitting like a new high, uh, to just <laughs> revel in it. <laughs> yeah. You got to bathe in the glory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I just want to finish our interview with just a, a series of like brief, more fun questions to close, to close things out. Um, Jesse, and it's, it's been great chatting with you. I love, I love, uh, everything you've had to say. So here we go. First question, favorite time control. Three plus two. Hmm. Interesting. Um, favorite player of all time? Bobby Fisher. Cool. Mine too. Um, nice. Favorite opening as white? Scotch Gambit. Nice. Favorite opening is black. Ooh. I'm going to be hated for this. The French defense. Ah. No, well, not by me, because I played the French for over a year, and I still like oh, it. Oh, nice. So. <laughs> Good to go. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> If you could meet any one of the top players of today, who would it be and why? Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness gracious. I was meters away from meeting Vladimir Kromnik, but mm. I freaked out and ran away. <laughs> so probably probably him. I mean, I've, I've met most of, most of my idols. And you know that saying of don't meet your idols? Like, don't mm -hmm. listen to that. Go meet them. It's amazing. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, well, I know you've met Vichy. So is there anyone mm -hmm. else like, like who, cause you said you've met, you've met most of them. Right? So I'm so curious, yes. like who's one other people, one other person rather that's, you know, that was, you know, big name and you were excited to meet. Uh -huh. Oh, uh, so Vichy, definitely, uh, Peter Spitter, mm -hmm. another one. Um, I've also met, um, Levon Aronian I was a huge, huge fan and still am. And then, of course, I've um, met Magnus Carlsen, who oh, I've wow. also been watching for years. Yeah. Amazing. That's a long list. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, if you had to choose a career other than chess, what would it be? Ooh, I studied accounting. So maybe I would have followed through and become an accountant at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That is something yeah. I definitely didn't get out of your your uh, your tweets that you were into accounting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into it. That's why I didn't follow through. That's yeah, true. I that's I true. studied it and just didn't pursue it. At the end, I probably could be some mediocre bookkeeper, but I'm swaying away from you know the routine life. <laughs> yeah, I think you've chosen yeah. something much more exciting for you. Um, definitely. Okay, so this isn't a question I typically ask, but I saw this uh some of you, uh, just you describing some of uh just like your interests or or challenges in life on your twitch bio and you wrote in there that <laughs> you spend way too much time on four things and so i had to ask like a, a kind of a silly fun question connected to that your four things at least at the time that you wrote them were one scrolling through memes two gaming past your bedtime three playing bullet at 3 a.m and four eating fries. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a great list, by the way. So if you Thank had to you. give up one, which would it be? 
<laughs> I'm trying to think of which one is the most unhealthiest. It has to be the bullet at 3 a.m. <laughs> that's definitely more unhealthy than eating fries. I'm going to go with the one that's better for my sanity. So so bullet at 3 a.m. is going to go, I think. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you luck on that. Um, yeah, well, there's not many people who list like the top four things they uh, spend too much time on. But maybe more people should because that is really fun. Um, <laughs> um, kudos to you for putting that in your bio. I loved it. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. Actual tears right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jesse, I had an awesome time talking with you. I want to thank you so much for, you know, just spending the time to chat with me and be on the podcast. It was great to finally connect with you. And uh, I'm excited about all that you're working on. I'm excited about you you're going for the WGM title. I'm excited about your chessable course. And, um, you know, I hope to see more commentating from you, too. So just wanted to, to say all that. Thank you so much, Daniel. I really appreciated being here as well. And you're very, very easy to talk to. So, yeah, that actually, the time sped by. Thanks again. <laughs> great, great. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of my business, Adult Chess Academy. And that has a website with the same name if you want to look for it. You can also find me being way too active on Twitter by searching my username, Lona underscore chess. See you next week.